Hey, podcast listeners, Patrick here. We are less than 100 days away from BroadwayCon, you guys. Can you believe it? Tickets for BroadwayCon 2017, presented by Mischief Management and Playbill, are now on sale. You can find info and tickets at broadwaycon.com. And I wanted to remind you that we'll be recording an episode of this podcast live from the main stage, and we want you to be a part of it. The episode is being called Fandemonium, and it will be all about celebrating the relationships between fans and their heroes in the Broadway community. Do you want to be interviewed on the main stage as part of the episode? If so, make a 90-second video telling us who from the Broadway community has inspired you the most. Did they encourage you to go for a career in theater? Did they give you words of advice at the stage door? Did their work inspire you in some deeply personal way? Share your passion with us, you guys, and also be sure to include who you are, where you're from, and why you're going to BroadwayCon. Share your video with us via our Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr page, and use the hashtag BroadwayConPodcast, and you could be a part of this amazing and fun episode. We've already received a few videos, and I am obsessed! There are, of course, some rules and guidelines, so be sure to check out BroadwayCon.com slash podcast before entering. Okay, now to the show. I know a place where you belong. Come follow me and join the song. Welcome to Broadway Con! The podcast. The show for the theater kid in all of us. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. One of the things I love most about making this podcast is getting the opportunity to talk to some of today's greatest theater artists about more than just the shows they've done. Don't get me wrong, I love talking about that stuff too, of course, but I think there's something so interesting and valuable about finding out when these people discovered theater, how they discovered it, and how being involved in theater when they were young helped shape the person they'd become. Today, I get to do just that with one of my favorite people in the Broadway community, Tony nominee Beth Malone. About halfway through the episode, another one of my favorite Broadway people, Beth's old friend Leslie Margarita, joins us to also sing Beth's praises. Beth made her Broadway debut in 2006 in Ring of Fire. In 2008, she starred in the off-Broadway hit The Marvelous Wonderettes. And last season, she earned her first of what I'm assuming will be many, many Tony nominations for her work in the groundbreaking Tony-winning best musical Fun Home. I'm obsessed with her, you guys. We got to talking so quickly that I sort of forgot to do a proper introduction. So we'll just jump into the conversation at the point where she's talking about discovering theater, or as we like to call it, her Ring of Keys moment. You were born on this farm. Here's our house. Here's the spot where you died. I can draw a circle. We always ask people what their Ring of Keys moment was for theater. And I don't have to explain to you what that means. No, I know exactly what it means. I love that you use that. We do. It's like the perfect metaphor. Oh, my gosh. Well, I can tell you exactly what it was. Um, I was... Now, we had we had a... A tiny black and white TV back in my mom and dad's bedroom. We had like a color console television in the living room, but my brothers were always watching Star Trek. So if I ever wanted to watch something that wasn't lame and boring, I would have to go back into um, my parents' bedroom and watch it on this like 12 inch black and white. And that is where I found 
singing in the rain one day. I just stumbled upon it and I, it was so magical and so, um, thrilling. And, and I, I was, I just like, I went into the TV and was living my life. And then I ran, I remember I ran down the hallway and out into the kitchen. I was like, mom, mom, I, the most amazing thing is on TV. It's, it's singing in the rain. And she was like, Oh, you like that? Like uh, I was <laughs> she, like, like I was an alien in my own household. They were all like here, um, you know, hee haws on in, at seven thirty, you know, <laughs> but I was like, Oh my God, singing in the rain is everything gene kelly oh my god tell me why what was it that like when you saw it that you were like oh my god this is me well it was um yes it was donald o'connor and make them laugh short people have long faces and long people have short faces big people have little humor and little people have no humor at all (laughs) and in the words of that immortal bard samuel j snodgrass as he was about to be led to the guillotine. Make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my dad said be an actor, my son. I'm the yeah. worst gay. I really don't know Singing in the Rain oh, that well. Oh, my God. You have, to, you have to watch it tonight. Okay. Like, go home and watch it tonight, and you're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> right? Oh, my God, that. She's the looking thing at with Steve through face. the window. He's, he's doing the rubber face thing where he's like... <laughs> and it was like I mean you can't see what I just did on this video but you know like just watch it and you're welcome it is so beautiful and Sid Cherise with those legs up to her neck <laughs> kicking and oh my god it was uh, it was it, it's stunning and it's beautiful and the music is lush and it's smart and it has a sense of humor and it's romantic and um it's just so fun. This is wonderful. So what did you do then when you identify that this is something you're like, you see this, it's more than just a good movie that you like and that you enjoy. It's something that you know is going to be something that you want to do. How, what do you do as a kid to like then make that something that you are doing? Well, I don't know. I think for people who don't have the, um, resources around them and there's no like voice lesson to take like everyone's taking voice lessons these days and and they're little kids you know and I'm just sort of like wow what would my life have been like if I had been exposed to to you know the business side of it um at, at such a young age because we do have a lot of kids in our cast and they are actual theater kids but for me I just did a lot of pretending I did a lot of playing and I would force my friends to be in plays that I had written and force them to be in, in skits and sketches and, and dance. You know, I was always, we were always choreographing like numbers and putting them on. And then ultimately we got so notorious for it that they started putting us up in front of the school. So by the time I was in like fifth and sixth grade at like the all school program or whatever, me and my two friends got to do our like number. And then we got to do it again the next year. And then everybody started to, you know, like I was a super geek. Like nobody was like, oh, that's Beth Malone is so cool. <laughs> nobody was like that. They were like, don't talk to her. She's weird. You know, I remember really? this girl once. Um, I was like, hi, hi, waving at my friend that I had like ridden the bus with. And her other friend was like, don't talk to her. She's weird. And I was like, oh, I'm weird. No. Yeah. I'm the weird girl who likes to, you know, write, you know, weird things on her notebook and stuff like that, which I was, I was like an excess. I had three older brothers, so, yeah. you know, I was, like, into Mad Magazines and things like that and, and um, not into 
carrying a purse and wearing like a training bra. Like all my friends who wanted to wear a training bra and carry a purse, I was like, um, uh, maybe I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> like maybe next year I'll want to wear a training bra and carry a purse. I'm waiting to want it because I'm sure I'm going to want it at some point. I just don't want it yet. That's so interesting because, you know, I meant to ask you in the beginning. It's one of the things I like to ask and not in a not in a way just as a way to get to know you a little bit better. And like what your your experience was coming up in the theater. Like so in you, on the spectrum of like n- like nerd to cool, you were sort of more on like the nerd spectrum. I was totally like, like me, like me, like me. I will do anything. I will fall off this roof if it makes you laugh. I will like, um, you know, jump over this couch and and and, you know, do like a. Um, stunt role that makes you laugh. Like I was just a clown. I was clowning, excessive, excessive clowning to try to, you know, make people laugh so they would like me and, and, and want me around and invite me over and stuff. Can you explain, and maybe you just did a little bit, but can I wanted to get a little bit more into like how once you identified the theater was something you wanted to do and you started to do it, how was that like a refuge for you? Well, finally, finally I got into high school. And before I went to high school, I started going to the high school to watch the plays. The first play I ever sat through from beginning to end was God's Favorite. I don't even know what that is. It, I don't know who, I think, who wrote God's Favorite? Somebody Google it. Um, and it, I, I think, um, I don't know, it was a comedy. And I was just, you know, the fact that these were people that, you know, my brothers went to school with and they were larger than life and lit by theater lights and saying these wonderful lines in front of these fantastical, you know, made up false sets. I was just enamored with the whole thing. I would sweep the stage. I would pick up the garbage in the theater just to be around it and smell the smell of being. I mean, I was like completely madly in love with it. Wow. Then I got a car and I drove up to Denver because I was I was living south of Denver and I drove to the Country Dinner Playhouse when I was 15 and a half and got a job as a hostess. So I could, it was a dinner theater, so I was like filling the salt and pepper shakers, filling the sugars, um, setting the tables, and um, you know, then I would be there during the dinner service and like doing waters and coffees and things like that. I couldn't serve drinks because I was 15. <laughs> right. But um, the, I would watch rehearsals. I would watch rehearsals of this local equity theater, and I, um, it would be the place where I would eventually get my equity card there, because when I w- turned 18, I auditioned for it, finally, and got in um, Ju- Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. It was my first uh, job, but then when I, when I was like 20, I had done enough chorus roles at that little theater um, that I got Lizzie in Baby, and I got my equity card, and it was like I was suddenly like a person who had a role and a name, and I wasn't just like, "Wow, I'm gonna now I'm gonna name my character Jane, and Jane is very sassy." You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, when were you aware of like Broadway? Like, w- did you w- did you listen to cast albums? Like, was there anything from the professional like New York theater scene back in the day that that you sort of clung on to? Well, my brother, my biggest, my oldest brother Sean, um, had. Sunday in the Park with George on vinyl because his girlfriend I think had given it to him because he was a painter you know he was a painter and and um, he was listening to this thing and he just thought I might dig it and he uh, gave it to me so sometime in high school I found Sunday in the Park with George on vinyl and I'm gonna tell you what that was 
as epic, um, uh, you know, if you have like these benchmarks in your young awareness and your young life, having that, having access to that um, side A and side B of that cast album was, um, it, it made my mind grow exponentially just by being exposed to that kind of music and those kinds of ideas set to those kinds of rhymes and and what it was about and the soul and the heart and and the technical uh, brilliance of it you know just having having been exposed to it and on repeat um i feel like it it really uh was um it helped me it helped me it helped my it helped my life at that time you know yeah it just helped me feel less isolated and less misunderstood and less alone and more um like hopeful and more like someday i'm gonna find out where these people live (laughs) the people (laughs) who make things like this But I was, I didn't watch the Tonys. I didn't know what that was about. I was raised on a ranch, you know, and I mean, like I didn't, I had no awareness of it until I got into high school and I started doing, you know, musicals. And then I realized like, I, this is where I'm supposed to be. These are my people. And um, then, you know, when I just, it, it, it just was like a rocket, you know, I, 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 I just consumed as much information and as much, uh, you know, time spent in that environment as I could. You know, I just turned into a person who was completely 100% like laser focused and obsessed with it. And so, um, you know, I, by the time I got to college, I was, I was absolutely positively sure that I knew what I was going to do. You know, it's just like no matter what. Were you a person who, like, when you found the theater and you found, like, that you were so obsessed with it and you and you found, like, an outlet for it, did that, how did that impact your, like, life? If you were, you know, if you were, when you were younger, you were kind of, like, thought, somebody thought you were weird. How, how did that, like, affect you later? In junior high, there were these people that, like, there were, um... Our, our junior high was broken up into, like, little cliques, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and there were the freaks... And there were the jocks, and then there was some. There was a hicks because we ra- we were in a ranching town, so people who were like from the ranch were hicks, and they would wear like their Wranglers and boots and and belt buckles to school, and um, the jocks were like jocks, and I was none of those, and I had you know, sort of like friendships in all of these sects, but then my brother that was just older than me like I have three older brothers but the one that was just ahead of me was a true bona fide freak like he smoked a lot of pot he grew his hair really long he wore you know it was like it was just like you know that kind of uh trajectory that really has informed the rest of his life too you know um and so there was a couple of 
months or I don't know, you know, it's so long ago. I don't know how long it was, but I was like, yeah, maybe that's me too. Cause it's uh-huh. easy and they really like me there. They accept me. So I started hanging out at the freak window and the freak window was this like window where it was like the smoking lounge, you know, <laughs> you could smoke or I think you could smoke back then. I don't know if you could smoke inside, but there was a smoking lounge that you could go to in, in your school. Yeah. In junior high and high school. Yeah. It was like, it was the eighties. So it was a lot wow. more like, yeah, man, you can smoke, but you have to go over here to smoke. So, you know, I remember like I experimented with like speed and I had this like seedy boyfriend who, you know, came over while I was babysitting and we made out, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, there was that. So, I mean, I could have easily gone down this weird path yeah. that went to, you know, I don't know, working at a Walmart and never leaving Castle Rock or something. Um, but I luckily had this like small voice inside of me that said I uh, was I had I had more things to do with my life because I wanted to be um, with these people but I didn't know I didn't know anything about it yet you know it's like there wasn't enough information yet and I feel like people in you go through a vulnerable age definitely where you sure you can go down um, a few paths and the paths you like the decisions you make when you're young you don't think they're big, but they are big because they are sort of a, a place where your life branches in one direction or another. And I do feel so lucky that somehow I pulled back from from that group of people and, and uh, just stayed with my geeky friends. Like, like there was a group of people who were just kind of smart nerds. And they were not in any group because we were invisible. Like yeah. we were not in, we weren't even worthy to name as a group we were just nerds you know what i mean so like it was a subsect of people that was just invisible and i was i was one of them and we had a great time you know what age was that you know 12 13 14 yeah yeah you know so i mean but then you know like i i realized i could sing because of choir and i don't know if they have choir anymore right but it was such a lucky lucky thing to go to choir every day because at least i got to touch into that part of me that I, that was free and alive and happy and joyful and, um, you know, and it was engaging a certain part of my mind that, um, let me have a, a positive feeling about myself, which I think it's hard to come by at, in that age. For you know sure. what I mean? It's like to ha- go out of choir sort of kind of feeling, um, n- you know, it's, it's like a free floating, happy feeling. It's not, it's not like a very specific, like I'm awesome. It's not like that. It's like, <laughs> It's like everything's Sorry, good. It's okay. <laughs> it's like everything is going to be okay. You know, like that kind of feeling. It's totally. like, totally. Um, you know, or like music is awesome and, and I like my friends and my friends like me. Totally. You know, like that. Yeah, Leslie Margarita just walked in. <laughs> hey everyone, Patrick here. Just to let you know what's going on right now, we booked an interview with Leslie Margarita right after our interview with Beth Malone. But since Beth and Leslie are such good friends, we thought it would be fun to get them in the recording studio together for a few minutes. So at this point, Leslie had just walked in. Well, let's just say real quick, so we've been chatting with Beth Malone and then Leslie Margarita walked in and this is like two of my favorite dames in one room. <laughs> Hi, Leslie Margarita. Hi. We're just having, and we're going to ask you about this in a minute because okay. you're doing another episode with us. But yeah. we were chatting about like how doing theater and all of that informed, you know, who who you were and who you became. But the, the where I'm interested in going with this conversation with you, and Leslie can chime in as well, is to talk about like, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started. What what are the conversations that we need to be having in theater now? 
and how you know what responsibility does theater have to sort of inform the dialogue of the day uh, and then, but also to respond to it. What I mean, in general, like politically, right now, yeah, like, if, like you current know, events. Well, I do think like like black playwrights need to write comprehensive, amazing work that that allow us to follow a single narrative through the life of a person who. Under, who understands from the inside out what it's like to be pulled over for no reason and have their car searched for zero reason. I mean, I want to have somebody tell their story with with a, you know with this with a, the the kind of narrative that Fun Home has, where you have just one single narrative that can poke through um, a, a whole bunch of assumptions about a group of people. I want someone to do it with humor and 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 joy and levity and powerful writing and that's what I want as far as that goes you know um, I want um, I want someone to write a really really funny hilarious political thriller about a Donald Trump type character yeah I mean I hope to God it's all <laughs> gonna be exposed as some giant piece of theater any second no it's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, actually, while we have you both together, because we were talking about friendships in the theater and how they're formed and how that, you know, how, how did you guys meet? I'm so excited that I get to talk to you both <gasps> at the same time. We met in L.A. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, the first time I met, it was probably at an audition. Yeah. Because probably. I was like, oh, uh, there's Leslie Margarita. I saw her at, you know, I'd seen you in, like, Spider-Man. Right. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Because you were friends with all the people yeah. who I knew and I didn't know you yet. And Ellie's a small yeah, community small. and m most people are pretty cool, but we had actually never like worked together uh -uh, until Ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. <gasps> what is Ancient Greece? Ancient Greece we was did <laughs> 3 4 years ago? Yeah. Summer. We Still. did Greece at Sacramento Music Circus. I was Rizzo and I was Marty. <laughs> was this after the Olivier? Wow, you went yeah. back to LA. I went back, yeah. I went back to LA. Um, and then w we called it Ancient Greece because we were ancient. <laughs> a little older. I get it now. I totally get the joke. Um, was there like an instant friend connection with you guys? Yes. <laughs> How did it work? Leslie, what was your first impression of Beth? Oh, God. My f well, before I knew you, like I was really intimidated because I'd seen you do so many shows and you're s so good that I was like, <gasps> I do that. I'm really intimidating. <laughs> Is that then, true? No. <laughs> <laughs> but then I met you and I was like, oh, shit, oh. we're like the same. <laughs> I didn't talk to you Thank after you. after the thing because you were so good. And I was like, she wouldn't want to talk to me. Oh Wait, Isn't so what was your first impression of Leslie? I just thought she was like wicked hot and super <laughs> talented i was like oh my god that crazy crazy body and then she's funny and can sing it's like oh my god that's what i thought oh, but yeah. you know i'm sorry but it's the tits yeah so okay i want to talk a little bit about you guys developing your friendship because i feel like i'm never going to be lucky enough to be in a sound booth with the two of you ever again there was wine there was a lot of wine there's some wine, there's wine. we were we all stay in the same hotel <laughs> Oh. So there. Oh, So yeah. it's after rehearsal, and we're all really, really sore because uh -huh. we're doing ridiculous amounts of asininely complicated It literally sounded like you were going to say, li like, mounts of acid. That's we were doing <laughs> giant <laughs> amounts of acid. No, this this thing we did was hugely overly choreographed, I would have oh to just God. say. It was I, just like... I, yes, over totally. and, yeah. and she, Leslie, like, pulled her... I, I, you know, arm or whatever, <laughs> oh. leg out of socket. I doing tore it. my ACL doing the hand drive. What? You shouldn't tear your ACL <laughs> in the hand drive. I tore my ACL doing 
the hand dryer. I was just thinking about how insane it would be to be somebody who saw that production. If anybody is listening to this right now and saw that production, please tweet at me at Patrick. It's really good. Yeah, oh, it was really it was good. Really good. I yeah. bet it was incredible. No, did, did you both come to New York at the same time? No, but. I remember we were shopping in Sacramento for Leslie's like eighth callback shoes so she could wear. Yes. Remember we went to for the mall? For Matilda? And, yes. and, and, you know, we're like, the op- you couldn't find two more opposite human <laughs> beings than you have sitting here. And for us to go to the mall together to shop oh was God. like... I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Sorry, can and I say that? Like, totally and they were like fine. Kardashian oh shoes. Yes, I they think. were like 18 inches tall and they were bedazzled with all of these like fake jewels. And she was like, those are them. And I was like, are you kidding they me? They, Even- they didn't think I was tall enough. That was like the only why I almost didn't get the job is Matthew oh. Warchus was like, she if she was taller, <laughs> she, like only he wanted like these huge human beings. And I think because he knew he wanted to cast Gabe as well, who was huge. Oh. And so I was like, well, I have to get eight inch platform and shoes. And she did. And I did. Wow. Now, have you seen, have, yeah, you've seen her in Fun Home. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Can we, can me and you have a conversation really quickly about that? Yeah. Um, the first time I heard Beth Malone sing Telephone Wire, I could literally summon the tears right now. Like, oh. I, I was playing it for my kid. I was making her dinner. This was, like, months ago. I think I've told you this story. We put it on, and all of a sudden, I'm sobbing. <laughs> and she's like, Daddy, cry? Oh. Daddy, cry? I know. I know. I was like, but, like, the most amazing thing is, for me, watching you do that, I was like, I don't think anybody else knows that you also can do Marty. And you're also, you do Molly Brown. Like, how funny, goofy, hysterical. And watching yeah. this, I was like, it's a total transformation. Yeah. Yeah, like totally. I have a bag of tricks and I can't use them at all in Fun yeah. Home at all. Like it's, my bag of tricks, yeah. I don't get to bring them to rehearsal, and it was really brutal. <laughs> it was hard. It was a hard transition, you know, to yeah. go. Okay, just leave it all outside because it's just not useful here. Wow. Like, yeah, crazy. And I remember thinking that, going like, this is unlike anything that I have seen you do or ever done. You know, there's no other musical that requires you to just like think things. That's all you have to do is like, hmm. right. if you think things, the people are so close to you that it reads. If you just go, huh, and they'll go, oh, yeah, she just thought, hmm. You know, because it's, you know, you yeah. can't yeah. be like. Because the audience is literally in your face, right. Yeah, you can't be like muggy mug or anything, which is I'm, I'm excellent at. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> and did you get to see Leslie do Matilda? Oh, <laughs> yes, I did. I, I saw it like, th- like three times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, we're almost out of time. We, be, you told it on my other podcast, but will you tell the Cherry Jones story? Can we end with that? Which one? Oh, my God, I love that there's more than one. Oh. The, I don't want to give it away, but where you first met her. Oh. <laughs> Have you heard this story? Yeah. Because Cherry is now my, you know, like she's, She's texting me and going, oh, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> che- remember when I read a whole bunch of texts yes, from her last right. time? Oh, my God. I was like, and Cherry just, because she writes books. When she texts, <laughs> she writes like paragraphs. Um, that when I met her, I was at Sundance. I got moved into my, you know, actor housing. And I, you know, had two roommates. One was this amazing uh, African uh playwright who was living downstairs and she got there before me and the other was cherry jones and i was just like excuse me i'm sorry what and so uh of course i called shelly my wife right away i'm like cherry jones is my roommate oh my god what the hell and then like you know lisa crone got to watch my head like pop off as i realized cherry jones was going to be my roommate and stuff so i go 
to my house. I move in and I'm asleep in the middle of the night. And Cherry had been at Nora Ephron's funeral. Oh. So she was coming late to Sundance by, you know, about 12 hours. The rest of us arrived during that day and checked in and moved in. And the festival started the next day or the, the workshop, the three-week thing. And um, so it's literally like midnight, 2 a.m. I have no idea. I am in my boxers and T-shirt asleep. And I hear, you know, gung, 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 gung. <laughs> like on the front door and I, I get up and I'm, I was in the loft so I had to crawl down this ladder and go to the front door and I open the front door and there's Cherry Jones and you know she she looks at me and she smiles and she's like hello my name's Cherry <laughs> and I was like yeah yes I yes I know thank you for telling me your name's Cherry. And she, you know, and then, you know, it's been a crazy, wonderful, uh. weird friendship ever since. Beth Malone, I love you so much, and you're coming to BroadwayCon this year. Yes. Um, oh, and I, I'm meant to ask you now, here in front of everybody, it's at the end of January. Okay. I'm going to be doing an LGBT panel, and I really want you to be on it. Okay. Will you be on it, please? But it will out me. <laughs> well, no. you can No, you can do what they used to do in the 70s and wear like a, like a Richard Nixon mask or something. Oh, yeah. I will, I that will. That way nobody will know. I'll wear a Donald Trump mask. Perfect. Beth Malone, I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. 50 years at least. Telephone wire. Stop too fast. Telephone wire. Make this not the past. This car ride. This is where it has to happen. There must be some other chances. BroadwayCon the podcast is a partnership between BroadwayCon Media and Theater Podcast Productions. Episodes are produced and edited by me, Patrick Hines. Just a reminder to share your 90-second Fandemonium videos with us via our Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr pages for a chance to be interviewed on the main stage at BroadwayCon 2017. If you just can't wait till next week to get your theater podcast fix, you can check out my other podcast. It's called Theater People. We do long-form interviews with Tony winners, Broadway legends, and today's brightest theater stars. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that podcasts live. We'll be back in one week. Until then, we ask you to remember this. If you get really pissed and will cut someone slack when they call the cast album a friend.